I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 15, The Fifth Race. And we have a guest with us today from the Long Rewatch Job Podcast. Please welcome Eric. Yay! Hi. Hello. Uh, yes, I'm Eric. I'm the host of the Long Rewatch Job, a leverage rewatch podcast. Uh, it's still in its infancy, but I was, I was inspired by, by these two lovely people to, to do it, and we're having a lot of fun with it. Well, that's so nice to hear. Thank you. Um, so when we have guests on, we always like to start with, like, what's your history with Stargate the movie, the franchise? And you have a very interesting one, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with our listeners. Yeah, so Stargate SG-1 kind of passed over me when I was younger. My dad was was really, really, really into it. Um, I watched a couple of episodes here and there, but... I think by the time I came into it, it was like season seven or maybe with Jonas Quinn in it. And I'm just like, well, that's a different guy than from before. Right. And he's like, oh, it happened with this. And I'm like, I, I can't. I cannot. <laughs> um, but uh, re like, listening to your guys' uh, podcast, I was like, this is like because, you know, I love sci fi and I've all these games and, and movies and stuff that I enjoy now. I'm like, oh, the, a lot of this was in Stargate, not that Stargate uh, SG-1, like. Uh, codified it or anything, but certainly kind of popularized it, you know, with like, yeah. oh, the alternate dimensions and inter and, uh, cross-galactic travel and stuff like that. It's like, okay, well, let's get into this. And I started watching it, and I just finished the second season a few days ago. Uh, very exciting. So, uh, yeah. Oh, good. That I mean, when I heard that, I was like, wait, somebody's doing something because of me that's awesome and mind-blowing and really cool and I'm I'm just I'm happy people are still like discovering this show because it is really awesome and mm -hmm. it's great and it's fun but there's still like you know like a lot of good sci-fi shows do like it's just fun but there's also like relevant sort of social issues that get brought into the discussion and I think this show handles that stuff in a really interesting way because it's not like Star Trek is like way in the future but Stargate is here and right. now and they're yeah. still able to pull it off without being like super preachy about it. Yeah, Except sometimes they emancipation. But sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but the, the episode with Mongolians was just like. Yeah, we don't talk about. Yeah. We don't talk about I mean, emancipation. <laughs> always glad to see Kara Hiroyuki Tagawa in something. Love that yeah. guy, but like, oof, yeah. Uh, yeah. Listening to your guys' commentary on it was. <laughs> was hilarious because I'm just like because oh, this is before I started watching the show I'm like this sounds pretty cringe and then I oh, got wait. into it I'm like hmm so you were listening to the podcast like without watching the episode first yeah yeah so <laughs> I do that with a lot of stuff there, there's a podcast I listen to where they discuss like adaptations of video games into movies okay. and I listened to the one on Need for Speed and I'm like, oh, this movie sounds horrible. And I watched it and I'm like, oh, I love this thing now. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's it's sort of a it, it's nice to come into it because it's sort of like sort of word of mouth. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. you got to watch it. There's these parts. And you're like, all right, I'll watch it. And sort of knowing what was going on with it and everything. It is it is kind of a hard watch to get into because I think it started in 1995 or six or something. It's Stargate did. Yeah. Uh, she wanted uh, 97. 97 yeah so it's like wow i was uh 10 when this episode came out like that's crazy and it's just um but it's it's nice i, I like it it's it's uh almost kitschy you know but but in a really fun 
way. And Richard Dean yeah. Anderson, I mean, all day, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Always Richard Dean Anderson. So, okay. Well, that's really cool. And I'm glad you're liking it. And now that you're getting into it, it's leaving Netflix, which is like really horrible. So, <laughs> but you, you've caught up to season two. So hopefully by the time we actually make it through season two on the podcast, it'll be back it'll... online somewhere else. And hopefully right. it'll be somewhere else. Yeah. Well, my, my dad sure. actually owns all of the seasons on DVD. He has oh. that special box with like oh, the Stargate. Yeah. That's He's, the one I, I got... have. I, I think I got that for him for Christmas in uh, 2010 or something like that. Like it's been a long time since, but he still has it. And I'm just and have to how many these. times does he actually watch the DVDs? Uh, none, but yeah. that's sort of been his whole thing ever since he learned how to uh, rip movies onto his computer. He's like, Oh no, I'll get them, but it's all digital now. Like why would I yeah. want to go and get that? And yeah, so uh, that, but that is the exact same thing with my box set, but got the whole huge box set with the cool case on it. Haven't watched a single one. <laughs> I'm not. And here I am with each individual season all by itself. And then like seasons like nine and ten aren't the same as like the early seasons. And so it doesn't look right on the shelf. And it's really annoying. I, I always hate that whenever. And it, sometimes it's just like, oh, we've moved the logo up a quarter of an inch and it's like oh. well that why would you do that well what they they, they went to the slimline packaging so yeah. it's like half the width so like the design and stuff isn't the same on the side and it's like uh, you know what though i love how they did that for the tv show monk have you oh, seen this yeah like, that? where they're, they they're all the Oh, they had to, because I don't know how many seasons that show had, but, like, all of them leading up until the last season are exactly the same, all nice and organized, and then the last one is, like, off. Oh, no. (laughs) And they must have done it on purpose to go with, you know, the whole theme of the show of, like, just to irk everybody. of like, no, I can't. Oh, man, no. That's great. I I watched, I think, I watched the last season of Monk, and then I watched other episodes. Uh, I liked Psych. That was that was my show. Yeah. I liked those little. That's one of my favorites. Cr- Love that one too. So good. So like good. this is Gus is coming out soon. Yes. But yay. like, I liked those little crossovers that they did on the USA Network between the shows. You know where it's like, mm-hmm. it's like uh, you'd have Sean and uh, what's his name Johnny from the Dead Zone just being like like having a conversation in a in a cafe and then like monks over there like individually counting out his peas and they're both like. At least we're not that guy. And it's like, that's <laughs> so good. But yeah. yeah. Do you know about John Rogers's headcanon that Sean Spencer's Elliot Spencer's cousin? Yes. I yes. love that so much. It's and I so good. It yeah. And that part where he like he, he was like, because uh, Jerry Ryan was in an episode of Psych. And uh, oh, so yeah. which was funny because she was also on Leverage. And in that yeah. episode, Sean's like, we got to get back to the office. Gus has an episode of Leverage to watch. And <laughs> John Rogers was like, if they hadn't said that, literally, I had a script where Elliot referenced having an uncle named Henry in, in Santa Barbara. Aww. But then that's why in, I think, uh, in in another episode of Leverage later, he's like, oh, yeah. Hardison's like, yeah, I got all your guys' information. You know, your Netflix cues and everything. You know that show, Psych? Nate loves it. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's... That's nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So to tie leverage your podcast and this podcast together, though, there is also uh, Elliot knows about the Stargate. Yeah. 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 I did. Oh, yeah. I am 
deep in all of that, which That's is partially the whole thing? like I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because... uh, he. Go sorry, go on. Well, so there's one up. So Dean Devlin, you know, did the Stargate movie and then did Leverage. And there's one episode um, where in a vault with a bunch of artifacts is like pieces of the Stargate from the movie um, as just stuff on the wall that Dean had. And then there's another episode where with the alien, the alien abduction episode where Elliot's like, yeah, aliens are real. And like tells Hardison about the whole thing. It's like Elliot has been on a gate team, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's such, oh, that whole, I just, I love, I love, love all it. Those shows. Like, love yeah. it. Yeah. It's also good. Uh, all right. Well, shall we get into Stargate? Talk about the episode that we're here for? Absolutely. Okay. So, we have the plot pulled up as well in case I get asked a question. I'm ready. I've got my notes open. Okay. <laughs> so, this is the fifth race, one of the most important episodes, possibly the most important episode in Stargate history, in like the canon of the show. Um, and I actually saw a thing while I was doing my research that in uh, like later episodes where they do like clips and like previously on and like clip shows and stuff, this is the most clipped show for like future episodes. So yeah, it's very important. Um, so this originally aired on January 22nd, 1999. So it seems like this was sort of after the mid-season break because the previous episode was in October of 98. So we had a little break. Uh, it was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by David Worry Smith. And in this episode, when Jack O'Neill gazes into a mysterious alien viewing device, his brain is infiltrated by a strange intelligent force. Daniel Jackson is sure that the dying, increasingly isolated Jack now understands the mysteries and origins of the Stargate. As Jack's only means to communicate, can Daniel recover the information and save his friend's life? There we go. Um, Every time you read those, it feels like it needs some sort of, <gasps> or dun -dun -dun, and every single time I'm going to do it. <laughs> yes. Um, so one of the things we'll be doing is um, I have the script for the fifth race in uh, the essential script book. So uh, we'll be going over some of like the differences between what the script says and what like actually ended up on film, which is not terribly different, but there it's mostly just sort of there's a couple like missing scenes and like some dialogue changes and stuff. There's not mm -hmm. a whole lot, but you know, some more interesting things we'll point out. So how did you acquire said script book? Um, I she think it was, it. <laughs> I think it was a Christmas present one year with like another Stargate book that I have. Um, because it was like, signed? no, not this one. Oh, no. no. I don't think I thought about ever getting this one signed. I get the DVDs signed is what I get signed when I meet them. Well, I, I, I just unlocked a memory. There was a Stargate cartoon, right? Yes. Was Stargate in Infinity something? I remember it was a part of that whole block of like Saturday morning cartoons where they're like, oh, look, it's like extreme Ghostbusters and like the Ninja Turtles. But they're like huge and ripped now. Like it was like a weird block. And just for some reason, when you flashed that book up, I guess just like how quickly it went by, like it reminded me of that. OK, so it's called Stargate Infinity and it is available on Tubi, which is a free streaming service. I have never seen it. Some of the images I'm seeing look nutso. <laughs> uh, is it supposed says, to be the same people or is it like a new Stargate team uh, the little brief blurb on like the Wikipedia says the story arc of Stargate Infinity follows Gus Bonner being framed for opening the Stargate for alien enemies in a future version of Stargate Command 
So apparently it takes place in the future. Are there any, because I know they, they mess around with the time travel a lot. Are there any references to the show or to the cartoon within the show? Like no. Ever? Oh, okay. I, I, so, not that, I mean, I've never seen the cartoon, but I. They were like, oh, that's a, that's so. purely a toy deal, my man. Like we're not yeah. we're not pretending that that's yeah. not real. Yeah. No, I mean, not that I'm aware of, but again, I've never seen the cartoon, so I couldn't tell you for sure. But hmm. um, let's see. So the writers and producers of SG One were not involved with Infinity, uh, and neither MGM, the production teams, nor fans of Stargate consider Infinity to be an official part of the Stargate universe. <laughs> And according to Brad Wright, the animated series should not be considered official Stargate canon. That's crazy. Like, yeah. it's so funny, like, the difference between, like, because, like, Star Wars fans, they're like, no, everything is canon. Like, yeah. they had to they had to change. They came up with a comic book reason why a promotional image of the Jedi Council from Phantom Menace, Mace Windu had a different hilt on his lightsaber than he did in the actual movie. Wow. And they had they had to come up with a comic book reason. It's like and it's essentially just like a, a sort of soft core Jedi exchanging of rings between him and another Jedi. Like mm. and okay. that's like, yeah, like and I love how like Star Wars friends are like, no, it has to be like that. But Stargate fans are like, what should, the cartoon? I don't. Uh, no. Hmm. That doesn't ring a bell. No. Are you sure? Mm-mm, it's no. like the Tokyo Drift of the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only con- the only great contributions Tokyo Drift made was its soundtrack, which banged beginning to end and mm-hmm. high. Yes, it does seem like they're starting to retcon Tokyo Drift in I, more I can't, though. I can't even with it. Like, <laughs> you know what though? I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for it because there was a point in time in my life where I lived in Tokyo for a little bit, and so before I went. I was, you know, like trying to do my homework and someone was just like, you just have to watch Tokyo Drift. It's just like that. Seminal <laughs> cultural touch point, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> All you need to know and you'll be fine. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh. Like, right. Yes. Got it. I'm exactly s- like this. I'm so sorry. I got us off so off. I apologize. Oh, this, this, so don't much. worry. This is not the first time we've talked about Fast and Furious on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. We go, of course, all the time. Um, All right. Well, so let's get into the episode. So we open in the briefing room where Daniel is telling Hammond and SG-1 about an image sent back from P3R272 by a probe that includes uh, a shot of an inscription on which is an alien language that is very reminiscent of one of the languages that was found at Heliopolis, which is the planet from Torment of Tantalus. Now, Daniel doesn't know what it says, but based on one of the Norse runes that was found in Heliopolis, he believes that these people would have been allies of the Asgard. And Tilk thinks that this would be an excellent planet for them to explore because allies of the Asgard can only be good people. So, um, so there's apparently a goof in this scene, which I cannot corroborate with actual canon. So when Daniel's giving them the briefing, um, he refers to Heliopolis as PB2908. And everybody on the internet seems to believe that Heliopolis was given the designation P3X972. I cannot find a reference to P3X972 in any Stargate episode. It's not in Torment of Tantalus. It's not in any episode that references Torment of Tantalus. So if anybody out there knows where in canon... Heliopolis is referred to as P3X972. Please tweet or email 
so I can find it and know it and like my brain can stop worrying about it because I usually know these you things. that much? It is because I can usually <laughs> keep find you up this at night. Stuff. What is that planet? Can't, what is it? Can't. Okay. <laughs> so, um, it, it's like the uh, the Berenstain effects. People are just like, no, I remember it, but like, what, what an odd combination. Like P three, what was it? P three X. P3X972. Yeah, like that's such a crazy thing to be like, no, it was definitely this and not this other random six-digit yeah. combination of letters and numbers. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. So, yeah, if anybody knows about P3X972, please, please tell us so I can rest at night. <laughs> um, there is a little interesting difference in the script here. So Tilk's line about it being like an interesting planet to go explore is actually not in the script. Instead, the scene ends with Jack saying a lot of maybes, DJ, because he's like, maybe it's important. Maybe they're allies. Maybe there's this, which I'm very glad they cut that line because Jack has never called Daniel DJ and should never call Daniel. D Nobody should ever call Daniel DJ. He's not. He's Daniel. Um, so I that's a good change in my book. For yeah, that. Whenever I hear DJ, I think of DJ Tanner. Exactly. I, yeah. Or DJ Khaled, maybe. But like. <laughs> <laughs> like that you don't call him dj you call it it's no. a full name it's daniel but yeah i thought daniel or dj tanner as well so, <laughs> <laughs> so that that's a good change i i'm on board with so yes yeah. anyway so off they go and once they reach p3r 272 they confirm what the probe showed which that there is no exit to this room and another little change in the script, uh, in the earlier briefing scene, Sam had actually pointed out that the probe didn't show an exit as probably a, you know, should we really be going to this place if there's no exit other than the Stargate kind of thing? But they obviously went anyway. So they're basically inside just a large stone dome-like structure. And Jack immediately thinks that this is just a waste of time. Sam's like, but like there's life support and lights, like where's the power source? What is this all doing here? And Daniel then basically shouts, I'm Daniel Jackson. If you haven't heard of me, you should study. Um, <laughs> wait, sorry. If you if you watch the AI script thing, you'll, you'll, you'll understand what that's about. But basically, like, you know, hi, I'm Daniel Jackson. We come in peace kind of thing. He's like, it, it was worth a try. But they don't get any answer. So Jack's like, all right, let's go home. There's nothing here. And he walks across the floor, crossing the circle of writing. And in the script, that circle of symbols is actually supposed to be on the wall and the floor, but it's just on the floor here. And so there's a strange noise and something like pops out of the wall a little bit, like a little like porthole kind of thing. And um, in the script, Daniel had suggested that it might be a way to see out. And Sam agrees that it looks like a viewer of some kind, but that was cut from the final product. The way they make it look when it comes out like who in their right mind would look at that like weird thing that popped out of the wall and be like I'm gonna stick my face in there <laughs> yeah it, it no no it it doesn't look it's like something right. you can talk about in polite company really no <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna put it out there that 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 is not look like a child safe no <laughs> object um but uh, so Tilk walks up to it and Jack's like, hey, be careful. And Daniel asks what like Tilk sees in there. And he says it's blackness with colored lights. And then Jack kind of like taps Tilk on the shoulder to move. And he looks in it like he gets like right like nose in it. And it sort of pops out from the wall more. And then after a brief pause, it transforms again in these sort of claw like things. 
jut out and like grab Jack's head to hold him in place. And we see from like Jack's point of view, we see the sort of the blackness with the flashing lights inside the device. And there's this sort of like buzzing noise and then it releases him and he falls to the ground. Not quite unconscious because like his eyes are open, but he's not like totally conscious either. And Sam says his pulse is racing and orders Daniel to dial the gate as we fade to the opening credits. In the little change in the script here, uh, Jack and like in the show, Jack just kind of goes, ah, as he's being inundated with whatever it is. But in the script, he actually yells, get me out of here. And Tilk rushes over to try and pull him out, which why did nobody go and try and pull him out? Like they all just kind of stand there looking at what's happening, like not doing anything. <laughs> and Jack's point. And he is obviously struggling to get out. Yeah. Yeah, like he doesn't want to be in there. So why is everybody just kind of standing there, like looking at him? Yeah, it. Uh, whenever I first saw that, that reminded like in in Muay Thai, whenever you're going to like do like a knee on somebody, you kind of grab them around the back of the the head and the neck like that. Mm-hmm. And I briefly, as soon as that happened, I was like, is he about to get messed up? And then it's like, <laughs> oh no, it's giving him energy or whatever. And then it's like, oh no, he did get messed up. So yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah like we don't we don't know how how big a martial combatants the ancients were but uh that's a pretty solid hold to get someone in yeah that's yeah, true i do wonder if this was supposed to be a good thing why was it designed that way to like forcibly hold somebody in place kind of well well now hang on we don't want to examine all of that because then why is there <laughs> writing on the wall what was there, there were there five-year-old ancients in here drawing all over it and that's what caused it? like once you peel back that layer I just... know, yeah <laughs> yeah oh all right um so we come back from the credits in the infirmary where dr fraser is examining jack and some time has passed because his pu- his pupils are now back to normal and he's like awake and cognizant now but was apparently catatonic for about an hour jack however remembers nothing he's fine fraser can't find anything wrong with him so he's gonna go and then so he hops off the bed and leaves and sam and janet just kind of stare after him and then kind of look at each other like something's a little weird here but Nothing's wrong with Jack as far as they can tell, so. I think it's weird in general that so many of these episodes are like, something weird happens, you take him to the infirmary, and Dr. Frazier's like, no, I can't can't see anything wrong. You're fine. (laughs) You look fine. And then, like, you know, five minutes later, something's very wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Again, quarantine procedures. Can we please get some? (laughs) Because they don't have any. After the last year or so, I'm glad with that. It's, it's fine. No quarantining. Is I okay. know. I like, know. That's, that's fine. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it is. It is so funny how some it's like, oh, yeah, we brought back a deadly venereal disease from another planet. Whoops. I guess I'll just go breathe on everybody at the local orphanage. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> Should have yeah. thought about that a little more. Yeah. All right. Um, but for now. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I, I was going to say, um. It sort of like again, like because we talk about this on on my my show with like, okay, well, why does this multi-millionaire head of the company have the secret documents for one person they're going to get? Because we need it to get the yeah. story from point A to point B. You nerd, like calm down. We're yeah. telling a story. We're not writing a documentary. Yeah, yeah. Because just the reason is because the story needs it to be that way. A lot of exactly. Times. 
Yeah, 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 you don't hear anybody complaining about the opening scene of The Martian. Storms don't get that bad on Mars, but no. we need it in order for the rest of the people to leave. Okay? Yeah. Just move on. <laughs> exactly. Accept uh, and move on. Yes. So, in the briefing room, they're going over what happened, and we see Jack kind of doodling something on a notepad, and they kind of they don't really know what happened. All they know is that the device appeared after Jack walked over that circle of white, circle of writing. And Tilk saw lights. Jack saw lights. It grabbed Jack. It didn't grab Tilk. Why didn't it grab Tilk? Maybe because he's a Jaffa, because that's kind of a thing that happens sometimes. And Jack's like, okay, are we done? Can I go? Like, Tilk looked. I looked. It grabbed me. I passed out. We're back. Are we done? Can I go? It's like, okay. So everybody's like, Jack, Jack, are are you okay, Jack? It's like, I'm fine. Totally fine. A little tired, maybe. But I'm fine. There's nothing crevice with me. There's nothing. What? And then we get the oh-so-wonderful back-and-forth between uh, Michael Shanks and Richie Dean Anderson of didn't, did, didn't, did, didn't, which was improvised by them and is not in the script. And I love it so much because <laughs> it's just like you said, Krubus, didn't, did, didn't, did. And it's, yeah, they're so good. I love them so much. Anyway, but so what, like, Krubus, what's Krubus anyway? Well, I mean, Daniel doesn't know exactly, but given the context, you probably meant to say that there's nothing wrong with you. So Jack is finally dismissed by Hammond, but asks, like, stay on base. And um, he, like, tears off the sheet of paper that he'd been doodling on to take it with him. And Hammond tells the rest of us, you want to, like, keep an eye on him? Because, yeah, something something's up with Jack here. There's a little goof here where after uh, Jack tears the top page off and, like, puts the notebook on the table, you can see the second page has the same drawing. <laughs> on it for you know like multiple takes kind of a thing i'm guessing but it's just like somebody didn't angle the camera quite right um he's just really excited about the same thing apparently yeah he just pressed really hard with a marker and it went straight through (laughs) yeah um this scene is a little different in the script. Jack seems like a lot more confrontational sort of in general, like throughout the scene in the original script and like much more eager to just like leave and get out of there. Um, and then there's also a little exchange where Hammond is like trying to figure out if they need to send a research team back to study that device more. And Jack thinks that would be a bad idea because there's lots of head grabbing going on there. And then um, it's also missing Daniel's theory about what Cruvis means, which I'm glad they added that in to sort of start building that whole language translation thing that continues throughout the episode. So that's that. And then we cut to the gym with Jack and Tilk in boxing gear. Well, Tilk is only wearing the gloves, whereas Jack has like the full protective gear with like the helmet and the groin protector thing. And Tilk has just like no idea what's going on and i'm pretty sure jack just like put gloves on tilt but didn't explain anything and jack starts like bouncing around and like dancing is like come on it's fun let's do this like you know we're just we're just having fun and stuff and then he like pops tilt on the chest and tilt just kind of looks down like at his chest and jack's like oh are, are you okay and he's like yeah i'm fine and he's like okay so that's why you got to move so you know so you don't get hit and then tilt just like pops him right in the nose <laughs> knocks him down like yeah yeah that was good tilk and um a little fun fact here um apparently on the take that got used in the show chris judge didn't quite pull his punch enough hence uh, oh richard D. anderson's line about am i bleeding <laughs> because <laughs> like chris judge like actually like actually got him so <laughs> whoop um 
So then Jack gets up and keeps kind of really erratically kind of trying to explain boxing and how you got to dance and move and keep your hands up and bend your cozars. And Tuck's like, bend my what? He's like, your cozars, you know, your coza, bend your cozars. And Tuck's like, you mean legs. And then Jack's like, oh, um, okay. Possible fun fact here. I don't know if this is true, but it's a really interesting coincidence, even if it's not. Um, so Kozar, the word, I th- I don't know if it means legs or knees, but um, apparently in the NFL, there was a quarterback named Bernie Kozar, who was sort of infamous for having bad knees and was like injured a lot because of his knees. So oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I thought it was it kind of. Could be a nod. Could what be a, a nod. What a horrible thing to be known for. I know. <laughs> like, so. It's like, oh, where, 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 do you have any running yards? No, his knees were crap though i can tell you that yeah <laughs> oh it was his hair i don't know bad knees like, bad knees okay. yeah so <laughs> it popped up a couple times in some like trivia things for this episode on the internet so i'm just putting it out there i don't know if it's actually true or not but you know funny coincidence cool. so i i do love scenes like that where like it just the the comedic tension of it and it shows up all the time and it gets me every time just that physical comedy of like one person being like, okay, yeah, yeah, stick and move, guys, stick and move. And the, the big person who doesn't know what's going on is just like, boom, and like puts them down. It's, I love it every <laughs> it time. Is. Yeah, yeah. Like in the buildup to to that scene being described, I was trying hard not to laugh out loud. Because oh, of just remembering it, remembering it is so, so funny to me. Like, I just, I love it. So uh, from there, we cut to Daniel's office where he's doing his like Daniel thing and Jack and Tilk storm in and Jack demands to know what's wrong with him. And Daniel's like, what do you mean? What's wrong with you? Apparently, Jack has lost the philatus to speak properly. He did not do that on purpose. That was not a joke. And then Tilk then does confirm that Jack has started using really strange words in place of very common English words. So Daniel's like, "Okay, problem solving mode. What's going on? Okay, philatus, philatus. Sound similar to medieval Latin. So he goes to grab a Latin dictionary, possibly, that he has. Which he has on hand. Of course he does. He's a linguist. He has, you know, all the dictionaries. You and know what's interesting fought- about that scene, though? Like, is that in that one instance, like, whenever Jack says something different, he never notices that he's doing it. But in that instance, he does. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just maybe happened enough times now that it was like, you know, the, the, the shape of his mouth is like, that's not how the word I meant to say is, you know, formed mm-hmm. in my mouth, maybe. I don't know. Um, so Daniel looks through the dictionary thing and he finds that the Latin faculatus means ability, which that I mean, that makes sense with what Jack was saying. And then Jack looks over at the monitor where there's that circle of writing from 272. And he seems to be reading it and says... New ani uncreatas hic quavideum. And I love like what Rick does there where his voice kind of goes really flat and like monotone where it's like, it's not Jack saying it. It's just something that's like happening, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a really interesting acting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, so. that's kind of how it is whenever you're first learning a language though because you don't know where to put like the inflection, you know? So, yeah. and it's also like, he's not, choosing to do it but also at the same time he's just reading it because his brain is like no this is new this is ani this is anki this is atus yeah like that yeah it's really interesting um so daniel's like okay do you know what that means he's like i don't i don't know what it means i just look at it and the words pop into my frog 
<laughs> I need to remember to use that one sometime. Yes, just popped into my front. Um, there is a cut scene um, after this where we get another scene of Jack in the infirmary getting examined by Dr. Fraser, who's like actually like attaching electrodes to his head now. And she makes a joke about having to like remove the top of his skull, trying to sort of, you know, lighten the mood and be a little funny. And Jack replies that he's not in the mood for any Enochs. So another thing I was going to, you know, this whole thing. So instead, we cut to Daniel walking down the hall with Sam, where Jack has been taken to the infirmary. But before he did that, he picked up a piece of chalk and wrote this very complicated math on the blackboard in Daniel's office. And Sam looks at it and is just totally confused. She has no idea what any of it means. None of it makes any sense. So who knows what's happening in Jack's head right now. Then... In the infirmary, Dr. Fraser is showing Sam and Daniel Jack's PET scans, and she mentions the now thoroughly debunked theory that people only use 10% of their brain, but Jack is using over 90%. Um, so what a PET scan like measures is like brain activity. So I think the whole 10% thing is like how like fast like the neurons are firing kind of a thing. They're sort of, you know, the normal range and Jack is like way outside sort of the normal range of brain activity, which is why everything is like red on the image. Um, so his brain is just working really, really fast, not that more of his brain is working. Um, but anyway, Till comes in and is like, where's Jack? And they're like, he should be in the, in the infirmary, but he's not. So Jack has gone missing. So oh, man. they split up to go find him. And Sam finds him in the armory taking apart a staff weapon and he removes a little liquid Naquita power source in it and because he needs it, but he has no idea what for. So, but apparently right. he needs liquid Naquita for something. So. Right. Yes. And we finally get to see what's in them. Yes, we do. And apparently it's, it's it kind of reminds me of like the kyber crystals that lightsabers run on. Little things. Oh, anyway. It reminded me of this little, the trick you do where you put, like, highlighter ink in water. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it, it does look very neon, yeah, highlighter, <laughs> yellow-green kind of a thing. I went to my college decorating memories. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so, in the briefing room, we have uh, Hammond, Dr. Fraser, Sam, and Daniel, who are all discussing, like, what's going on with Jack, and nobody seems to think that Jack is any kind of threat right now, but Jack is unwillingly reading an alien language, which is a little concerning, and the bit that Daniel has been able to then translate into English so far from what Jack has read, he believes, means the place of our legacy, or it could mean the piece of our leg, but the first one makes a lot more sense. Um, we also know that, you know, the Asgard are against the Gould, so these aliens probably are too, and Daniel seems to think that whatever the device was downloaded that alien language into Jack's brain. Uh, Tilk then enters the room and tells everybody that they're needed in the control room. So, down in the control room, Jack is typing away at one of the computers, and whatever he's doing has, like, locked the system up like Sam can't get in. Hammond orders him to stop, but Jack says he can't. Not that he won't, but like he can't. Tilk tries to pull him away, but Jack fights back because he's not Fargus. 
And Daniel thinks they need to just like let him finish when suddenly the computers shut down and reboot. And after, you know, a bit of loading time, apparently whatever it is Jack did was loading a whole bunch of new gate addresses into the computer. And at first, Sam kind of seems to think they're just calculations of the Abydos cartouche. But no, the addresses Jack put in are not on the Abydos cartouche at all. What? So, so maybe that thing put more than just an alien language in Jack's head. And Daniel's like, if 272 was the place of our legacy, maybe that thing was like a whole database of alien knowledge. And that would be really interesting. And Hammond then orders Jack not to like touch anything else on the base. And Jack replies, ETM, sir. So, Yeah. Things are getting interesting. I do love how Daniel Jackson consistently is. Oh no, this thing's happening. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Let's uh see yes. where it goes. And it's yes. like, I, Daniel, I love your, I love your thirst for knowledge. However, there are nuclear devices in this base. No, <laughs> we cannot let this crazy old man type stuff on a computer. <laughs> no, Daniel, go, go read a Latin book. <laughs> I mean, that's true. It is so but, true. I didn't even yeah. think about that. No. <laughs> um, so back in Daniel's office, Jack is there sitting and just sort of writing, uh, doodling on a pad of paper when Sam enters. And she's apparently been like looking over all of the computer code that Jack put in, which was apparently just completely rewrite massive amounts of like the Stargate operating system, which is a, a little scary, maybe, but cool, but a little scary. He has no idea what it is he did, but he seems to have also lost the ability to speak English and can now only speak in the alien language, which that's kind of scary. Um, the good, good news, no, the, the, the one little good news is they've managed to translate some more of the text from that circle on 272. So new Ani Anquietas means we are the ancients. And Sam's like, cool, who are the ancients? And Daniel thinks these are the people who built the Stargate system with the whole roads in Rome, roads, Stargate, because the Romans learned from the ancient ones. And so this is where we finally get the name of the race of aliens that Daniel has believed the ghoul pilfered from all this time. So this is where the ancients start coming into the whole Stargate canon of everything. And so the thing is, Jack may have the knowledge of the original gate builders, in his brain, which, whoo, that's, that's, that's cool and a lot and holy crap, it's in Jack. <laughs> so. Of, of all people. All people, it's in Jack. Um, but it's, so, it's sort of, uh, sort of best that it happened to him than, rather than anyone else at the same time, but also it's like, I, I'm sure <laughs> that Daniel Jackson was like, I mean, why not me? You know, I was right there. <laughs> When's it going to be my time? I know. It is It is good, though, because then Jack does the thing and then everybody else can understand what Jack did, you know, because I think if it did happen to Daniel, I don't know if this episode would have ended the same because nobody would have been able to translate for Daniel to make everybody else understand, you know, what was going right. on. So, but yeah, and I mean, there's a hundred different ways they could have could have gone with it with like each of them applying their own abilities and stuff to it. But I, I think also just from a purely meta point, nobody could have sold it like Richard Dean Anderson did. No, like, yeah. 
it, that would have been impossible with like him just sitting at the computer going full, you know, matrix mode. And like, <laughs> it, it would have been absurd if anyone else was, do, was doing all of that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jack then interrupts uh, Sam and Daniel and goes, ego and deo novo locus. So Daniel starts trying to translate. So ego, I, and deo, need. Navo, new, locus. What's locus? Which, why is that the word Daniel gets stuck on? Because I don't know Latin, but I can extrapolate that locus means location. Like, I, I, like, why is that the one? And apparently in some forums for people who do speak Latin, they're like, yeah, that shouldn't have been the word that he got stuck on. So, um, and also yeah. this, the script originally called for Daniel to mistranslate locus as hat. And kind of played that thing for laughs, which I'm really glad they changed that and they didn't do that. So mm, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's so because again, like all of those words, like at first it's like oh, it's like like ancient Latin, but it's like everyone knows like ego, right? That that's mm-hmm. I, you know, and yeah. it's like locus. That's like location, and yeah. like like what's the no nova or something like that? Like In well, Deo, that's clearly Navo, yeah, Navo, yeah. It's like yeah. well, that's clearly like so. I was like. It's it's like okay so we just abandoned that whole pretense that was just for narrative drama yeah. at the and like now we're like look we got to get through this you know we got 20 minutes yeah. in this episode out so yeah. let's go yeah <laughs> so they ask Jack okay so where do you need to go he 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 doesn't know he just needs a new location doesn't know where it is so so Sam wishes them luck and before she gets back to the computer she's like I wish you could tell me about that master because I don't get it at all. And Jack just hands her a piece of paper that says 10 equals 8 on it. And she's like, what? So she goes up to the board, picks up a piece of chalk, doodles some things, and goes, oh, my God, it's base 8 math. Which, do you guys know what base 8 math is? I don't. I, I know what it is in theory, but it's one of those things where I'm like, it never makes sense to me. Although, I mean, like lots of people have different ways of counting. There was one... Uh, civilization on earth that had base 40 and they counted like their fingertips and then each knuckle on each of their hands as like so like one two three four one five six seven eight nine it was like you know the fact that it's like just count to 10 y'all i don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um i i asked my husband because he's an engineer and is very smart with math and things and did you know some googling about it because i would like i was like okay why why is this so amazing whatever this is so um so apparently so base eight math. So in our current standard everyday math, you count zero to nine and then you jump to 10. In base eight math, you count zero to seven and then jump to 10. It's apparently a type of math that can be very easily converted into binary, like zeros and ones. So it's mainly used in computer programming. Um, I also found uh, like in actually not that far back history, uh, some countries were contemplating using base eight math for currency because you can divide eight in half very evenly, all that like down to one, whereas 10 goes to five, but then you have two and a half, whereas eight, you get eight, four, two, one. So it's very easily divisible into smaller chunks without having to go to halves and then quarters and things. Um, so, but again, sort of in today's application, it's really mainly used with computer programming which if you think about it like most systems are they're like 32 or 64 bit systems which are you know multiples of eight so i was curious as to why 
why she had no idea what this math was until he told her that. And she was like, oh, yes. Yes. I was very curious how she couldn't figure that out before he yeah. gave her the indicator. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not regular math. It's base eight math. So, yeah. Yeah. To, uh, to, to bring it back to Star Wars, like I always like to do, um, uh, <laughs> the Huts, uh, Jabba the Hutt and them, their, their species, they, uh, they have base six math. So that's wow. all I know. That's the only thing I can contribute to this conversation. Interesting. So. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Okay. So we then cut to sometime later in the infirmary, and it appears that they have run more scans on Jack, and Daniel's there with them to hear like what Dr. Fraser has to say. And unfortunately, like it, it's not really good news and basically if this whatever's happening to jack keeps progressing at the rate it's progressing um jack might die which would 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 be not good um in in the script jack actually has a little thing after this where uh he hands daniel a note that says no pills for this because uh, sort of, I guess at this point in time in the script, since he's lost the ability to speak, he's just sort of walking around with a little pad of paper and a pen so he can, because he can still write in English at this point. So, um, but yeah, there, yeah, no pills for this, Jack, unfortunately. So. I wonder what, what, why that is, why he was able to write instead of just speak, because literally we all learn to speak before we write. So Maybe it's like, oh, well, that part of his brain was easier to take over as opposed to the yeah. physical memory or like it's just I always I always think that's uh, that, like that struck me as odd. Yeah, I mean, speech and writing are two different parts of the are, you know, sort of processed in different parts of the brain. Um, but, yeah, I think probably because our everybody's initial communication and learning of language is oral that I think it does make sense that his speech is sort of taken over first because that's sort of the most commonly or frequently used, I guess, chunk of his brain. So, you know, I can, I can see it, but it, I think it is good that, you know, he can still write in English at least for a little bit. So he's not completely, you know, locked out of everything with everybody at this point. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. The show must go on. It does. <laughs> it must. Yes. So in the briefing room, we learned that they started to send probes out to the addresses that Jack added to the computer. And on one of them, P9Q281, there's writing that matches the language that Jack has been speaking, like the language from 272. So Hammond immediately gives them the go to check it out and says that Major Castleman will be replacing Jack. And so if Jack is staying behind, then Daniel has to stay behind, too. And Hammond's like, why? And he's like, okay. If there's nothing there, there's nothing there. There's no reason like for us to waste time going. If there is something there, they can call us and tell us and we'll go. But until then, translating this language might be the most important thing that we have done since we opened the gate. Because it is very likely the language of the gate builders. So we can learn so much from this. And also, Daniel's the only person who can like understand Jack right now. And he won't leave him like this he won't abandon him which i just i i love them so much um so, <laughs> um some in the script some of the dialogue is switched around a little bit which like like sam and daniel like swap lines but like what ends up on screen is what daniel says makes much more sense for daniel to say and um 
There's also a bit about Tilk inquiring about Jack not going, to which Hammond replies that communication is essential to, like, a commanding officer. So that's why they're getting Major Castleman, because Jack can't go, and then we get the whole Daniel staying behind thing. So a little change there, but I think what we got works, so... So we then cut to SG-1 consisting of Sam, Tilk, Major Castleman, and another soldier, and they head off to 281 in desert camouflage. So we are apparently going to a desert planet. And in Daniel's office, he and Jack seem to be at some sort of impasse in the translation work. And Jack obviously like wants to say something, but it's just like it can't get out. And so he finally walks over to the computer and types out, I have to go through the Stargate. Unfortunately, Jack is not able to articulate where it is he needs to go, but he is at least able to get across that it's not 272 that he needs to go to. And in the script, there's actually like he and Daniel try like a little bit of charades to try and get the I need to go through the Stargate before. That would have gone over well. I know. I think that probably just yeah that too too much time. Just just go to the computer and type it out, and that's all we need. Yeah, if that was earlier. Yeah. How do you do a charade for Stargate? Just like spinny cir- circle, <laughs> circle, me circle. Yeah. All right. But yeah, earlier in the episode, that that would have been a fun bit. But now that it's like, oh no, you're slowly dying. Um, this yeah. is the last thing you'll probably do with your life if we don't fix it. Uh, yeah, yeah man. Let's okay. Two syllables. Okay. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they cut that bit out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we then get a quick scene in Hammond's office where we learn that SG-1 did not return the probe on time. So they're going to ho- go ahead and give them a call to see what's up. So they get connected to 281 and Sam immediately is like, don't send a rescue team. Do not send anybody else here. So apparently the DHD froze when they tried to dial Earth to send the probe back. And then the second sun rose like half an hour ago. So it's going to get really, really, really hot there very quickly. And they're going to attempt a manual dial of the gate, but they can't do that with the wormhole connected. So the SGC kind of needs like hang up. And so he's like, okay, we'll call back in an hour if you're not back on Earth. So they cut that. And, uh, yeah, fingers crossed for SG-1. <laughs> gotta hang up the phone. I gotta use the internet. <laughs> it really is like that. <laughs> it's, get off the phone. Um, yeah. So, uh, in one of the labs, Jack is building something with the little Nakwita thing that he got from the staff weapon. And Dr. Frazier's been trying to follow along, but she really has no idea, like, what he's doing and Daniel kind of pulls her aside and is like, something's up with Sam and Tilt, but like, don't tell Jack yet, because he's got enough, you know, going on. He doesn't need to worry about this yet. And in the briefing room, Siler and another engineer are talking to Hammond and Daniel about some possible solutions for, you know, the heat problem, which is great. But what about the whole, like, dialing issue and the fact that they can't dial Earth? And... After a whole bunch of techno babble, it turns out well, that they don't have no idea. They just don't have much of one yet. So, yeah. Uh, then in the control room, they've apparently dialed 281 again. And because the manual dial didn't work, it seems like the DHD being stuck has also caused the Stargate to become stuck. So they can't dial at all. 
So Hammond's like, we're going to send through like these Mylar tents and portable coolers. And Sam's like, that's not going to help. It's going to get over 200 degrees. Nothing's going to help. If you can't get us out of here, we'll be dead by the end of the day. So Jack's dying. SG-1's in a lot of trouble. Might be dying. Things aren't aren't really looking good for our team. Not a good day. Not, Not their best day. day. No. No. Um, so back in the lab, Jack has finished building his device, and he he like flips it on, and it kind of hums, and there's a light in it. No idea what it is, but there's something more important to discuss anyway. So Daniel takes Jack and Dr. Fraser back to his office where he puts in a tape of the call that they just had with SG-1 and gives them a quick rundown of what's going about, how they're stuck and there's heat and all that stuff before looking at Jack and basically like, I am the only one who believes you have the knowledge of the gate builders in you. You have to be able to help us. And then in the script, there's actually Daniel sort of continues and says, prove me right, Jack. Which I kind of wish that one was still in there. I like that one. I, I don't, uh, I, I don't yeah. like that one so much. Because, no. like, that's more okay. like, that's something you say when you're issuing a challenge to somebody. But, like, Daniel's a true believer about this. So it's like, I guess. you know, prove them wrong, maybe. But, okay. like, would have been better. But, like, prove me right. It's like, it's like, what, were you trying to get me to triple my sales numbers this quarter? But <laughs> I got to, I'm dying. Is he really the paper. only one that believes too? Like, if he's spouting languages and can't talk anymore, and building stuff he doesn't know what it is, like, is there, I I don't know how much of a hard sell it is to figure out. I think yeah. it's the whole. I think it's not so much that yes, Jack has some knowledge. It's the fact that it's the knowledge of the gate builders that they don't quite believe, as opposed to just some other random yeah knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, their primary antagonist is a species that takes over the mind and body of yes. the hosts. So, you know, I, I can understand a little bit of trepidation because, oh, sure, maybe they built it. But also the gold are out there saying they built all of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, okay. So apparently... <laughs> There is something in Jack's brain because he like goes to grab like pen and paper and a bunch of like other drafting materials and starts drawing something. And uh, Daniel and Dr. Fraser like stand nearby and they kind of like whisper between themselves about like, what is he doing? Is this okay? But what if it's a problem? Do we have time for this to happen? And then Jack grabs another piece of paper and writes, shut up and go away on it and like shoves it at them. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And they just, you know, go stand on the other side of the room while they wait for Jack to do whatever it is he's doing, mm-hmm. which I, I just, I shut up and go away. Okay. Yep. Got it. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so up in the briefing room, Hammond is like overlooking the gate while there's various scientists and engineers trying to figure out how to fix the broken DHD. And they're like, well, you know, basically turning it off and turning it back on again. <laughs> it's always worked. And they're like, but it's never been stuck mid dial when we've tried it. And then Jack, Daniel, and Dr. Fraser rush in and tell Hammond that they have to dial 281 right now because Jack knows how to fix the DHD. And we got to get them these instructions right now. And Daniel also gives the scientists that thing that Jack built. And they're like, what is it? And he's like, no idea. Well, not no idea, not much of one, which that mm-hmm. was not in the script. <laughs> it's a fun little callback. I loved that line so much. The original scripted line is just, that's what we want to know. So, but yeah, I love that Michael, I mean, it had to have been Michael going, not, no idea. Well, not much of one. So, 
Um, also, a little fun fact, if you pause and like look at the instructions for fixing the DHD, the final sentence at the bottom says, if this all fails, well, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, fingers crossed, basically, at this point. Um, nice. Uh, we then get down to the control room and the plans for fixing the DHD have made it to 281. And now all they can do is wait. And apparently the instructions worked because the gate opens and SG-1 come back through looking a little worse for the wear with like sunburn, but for some reason are not like soaked in sweat, which like the script actually says like soaked in sweat and sunburned, but they're like completely dry <laughs> somehow. I mean, did the gate dry them off? I don't know. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the gate is made travel. of moisture wicking technology. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, a giant chamois. <laughs> that's actually the, the never dry shirt or the never wet shirt or whatever it is that we have in real life. That's It's made yeah. of the, the uh, Maquita or whatever. It's it's made yeah. of an event horizon. That's why it's never dry. <laughs> gotcha. That's so amazing. Good to know. That's why they're so expensive now. <laughs> um. So Sam seems surprised to learn that it was Jack who's the one that solved the problem and Tilk apologizes for not finding a way to help him. So, and cut to some time later and Sam comes into the lab where the rest of SG-1 are sitting with Jack and his machine and Daniel asks Sam to look at it and she's like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Any more than you know, I don't know. Um, there is a little thing cut out of the script here, which I thought could have been interesting, where Jack apparently goes to, like, write something on the pad of paper he's been carrying around, looks at it, and then, like, throws it across the room in anger. And Daniel goes to pick it up, and apparently what he wrote is not English anymore. So oh, he's my. now even lost that ability, which I think could have been interesting. I just wonder if it was, like, the whole the anger side of it was maybe a little not right for what was happening right now. Um, nah, not right. I would have liked it. that. <laughs> I, I would have liked that because yeah. it, it's sort of, you know, because he can't express verbally what he wants or anything like that. And his brain is yeah. slowly being overtaken by this thing. And for yeah. him to just have like one like very brief, very human, very human moment of I'm so mad now. Like, I think, yeah. I think that would have been great. But also at the same time, you know, it's like, We've got like six minutes left in the episode. It's yeah. like we've had enough character building. We get it. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see, but I, I do get I do get why they cut it out, but it right. would have been interesting for sure. Um Sam is then called to the control room over the PA and like the right emergency light starts flashing. And apparently SG eleven were getting ready to head out to the next address, but the dialing computer froze because it was trying to draw too much power. And back in the lab, Jack just like picks up his machine and leaves with it. And Daniel's like, we should probably follow him. So they do. And Jack has made his way to the power room, which is not locked at all for some reason. Um, and just like opens one of the breakers and starts to hook his machine up to it. And Tilk is like, should, should we be stopping this? And Daniel's like, Jack, what are you doing? And Jack just says, A-U-J, which apparently means good. So Jack is apparently doing something good. And he also doesn't seem to really quite understand what, like, Daniel and Tilker are saying anymore. He just, like, sort of keeps repeating A-U-J, A-U-J, A-U-J. And then he finally finishes hooking it up and he flips the switch and in the control room, the gate has now gotten a huge boost of power and the gate begins to dial out 
all on its own and they have no idea where what address it's dialing. It's just, it's doing something. So little time passes and we get Chevron 5 is encoded as Daniel, Tilk, and Jack all come into the control room and Daniel lets them know that apparently the thing Jack had built was a power source and Hammond's like, I would not have allowed that to happen if I had known about it, which, yeah, That's okay, fair. fair, yeah. And so he's like, how do we stop this? And Sam's like, we could get Siler to pull the main breaker, I guess. And Chevron 6 is encoded. And Daniel's like, wait, just hold on a minute. Everything Jack's done up to this point has been, like, good and fine. He's like, well, so far. And then we get Chevron 7 is encoded and it's not the point of origin oh my god what is happening what is going on and daniel's like what if all of everything that's been happening all the stuff that jack has been doing the thing he's been building all the computer programming has been for this reason and then chevron eight is locked so how many chevron spots are actually on the stargate nine nine yes and, no, any it's any like, follow-up questions or just no? <laughs> I always I love it how Daniel's always like, what if the entire what if everything is led to this? He's always the one that's like, what if the entire existence is this moment in like yeah. every episode? Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like Daniel Jackson read like Arthurian legends as a kid, and he's just like, yeah. Yeah, oh. what if? <laughs> oh, just oh, just just did wait. I find did I, did I, did I, what? Was, oh, you're, you're going to have fun did later. They, oh my, was Merlin an ancient? Is that what I'm going to find out? And that's time travel is how he walked backwards through time. I know a lot about Arthurian legend. Uh, I'm very cool, but I do happen to know a lot about it. <laughs> no, no, very cool. And you happen to know a lot about it. Yeah. Yes. Both of those yeah. things. Yes. Mm-hmm. So apparently the eight Chevron locks and we are now connected to a gate that is not in the Milky Way galaxy anymore. It is completely outside our known network of stargates. It is somewhere very far away, which is why all that extra power was needed. And Hammond is like, I thought gate addresses were seven. And Sam's like, I guess the eight Chevron is like dialing a different area code. Which I don't know enough about sure. astronomy really to be like, no, but I was sure I, I'll buy it because this is the world we're living in. So, okay. And Jack starts to leave the control room when Hammond calls out and like a guard blocks his way. And Hammond and Daniel walk over and Hammond's like, I'm just supposed to let you go. And Daniel's like, he's already gone. There's, there's nothing else we can do at this point. Jack heads into the gate room, followed by Daniel, Tilk, and Hammond. And Tilk says he'll go with Jack. And in the script, it's actually a question. Tilk actually asks, do you want me to go with you? Rather than just, I will go with you. Um, which is a little interesting change. Um, but Daniel stops him and is like, I think this is something Jack needs to do alone. And then Jack starts to walk up the ramp when Sam comes running in. And it's like, without a GDO, he can't get home. And Hammond's like, I can't give him one. We have no idea where he's going, who he's going to meet. We don't know what's on the other side of the gate. We can't take that risk of something bad being on the other side and coming back with him. So, Which is true, which is fair. Yes, it's very true. It's sad and kind of terrifying, but very true. So Daniel like runs up the ramp to Jack and kind of tries to make sure he understands that he might not 
be able to come back. And Jack just looks at him in a shot that has been used by every Jack and Daniel Vitter ever in the Stargate fandom because it is very iconic and we love it very much. Um, but Jack just looks at him and then turns and walks through the gate. And up in the control room, they start to track Jack through the wormhole, but then they lose him. So we, we have no idea where he is. Um, in the script, apparently, during the sort of wormhole journey, it was supposed to start out as the normal Milky Way wormhole that we see, but then transition into something completely different. But oh. for some reason, that just didn't happen in post. So we just get the sort of standard wormhole journey. Okay. Yeah, um, I feel like that that would have that would have added something nice to it, but also I feel like not having that didn't really take anything away from it. Yeah, yeah. But like that would have been cool if it's like, oh, now all of a sudden it's green. Woo, why is yeah, it green? Yeah, or yeah, a different color. Yeah, or the, the sort of texture of it be a little different, but yeah. Or sort of do like they did in the uh, in the movie whenever they first step through it, and then like you see sort of the infinite expanse of space flatten and then like yeah like do yeah. that like at a certain point again or or something yeah i don't yeah. know i'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not a visual effects artist in 1998 yeah. i can't say yeah. what they yeah. should or should not do <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um so jack goes flying through the other end of the wormhole and like rolls down some steps and we see a little gray alien peeking around a corner and then Jack looks up from where he is laying on the floor and sees, like, two pairs of little skinny gray legs. And standing up, he sees uh, many Asgard standing around and kind of whispering as they stare at him. And Jack goes, ego, deserti, a sordo. And then we get the Asgard speaking the Asgardian language with the subtitles of... Um, they recognize him as a human from Earth, but he's speaking the language of the agents. And apparently Jack is saying that he needs help. And then Jack says another... Comdo Asordo, like, please help, I think, is basically what he's saying. And one of the Asgard standing near him, like, raises his hand, and there's, like, a stone embedded in the palm of it, and he aims it at Jack, and, like, a light comes out, apparently sucking the knowledge of the ancients out of Jack's head before Jack collapses on the ground, then kind of passes out for a little bit. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, in the script, there's actually a little scene between those two bits where there's a quick cut back to the SGC where Daniel asks Sam if she can dial that address again. But then after Jack passes out, we do go to the SGC where they are trying to redial that, but it won't take the eighth chevron because apparently the power source that Jack had made is now dead. So it doesn't have enough power. Oh, man. Dang it. So. Every uh, time. Yeah, yeah. You think you get something and then... Yeah, just don't. Ancient technology, man. A member (laughs) of your personnel staff creates an insanely powerful energy device, and then you lose it because they had to use it. I mean, it's tale as old as time, really. Yeah. 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 I mean, if if you've heard it once, you've heard it a thousand times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Jack is coming around, and he, he thanks the Asgard for their help. And luckily, they speak modern day English. They apparently speak many languages. And they seem surprised that Jack knows that they're Asgard, who's Thor's race. In the script, they ask, they say, uh, you've heard of him. But in the show, they say, you've heard of us, which I think is a little interesting change. And I think the us works better than him at this point. Um, and basically, the Asgard confirm that he looked into the repository that holds all of the ancients' knowledge. And, like, this was all an accident. This was not supposed to happen because human physiology just can't we're going to take that all of that information like our brains aren't developed enough so sorry 
And so Jack then asks where he is, and apparently this is the Asgard planet Othala in the Ida galaxy. Would you guys like to know some fun facts about Othala and Ida? <gasps> Would we ever? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So Othala, or Odal, is one of the oldest and most widely used runes in Norse languages. Uh, it's actually the rune, if you remember back at the very beginning of the episode when Daniel was giving his briefing and he had pointed to a rune on Heliopolis where he was like, this means that these two races are allies. That's the Othala rune. Um, oh. It looks sort of like a diamond where the bottom part of the diamond then sort of like extends out, making like, I don't know, two legs kind of thing. You describe so, that in a better way than I would have, which is like an upright fish. Oh, that's not bad. That's not a bad description, upright fish. Yeah, that works. Um, apparently, the symbol represents inheritance, tradition, and persistence, and it also symbolizes unity and a connection to the family. Hmm. Kind of makes sense for the name of a planet, too, family and tradition and all of that stuff. So um, the Ida galaxy is completely fictional is not a real galaxy in our Wait universe. Wait a second. Hold on. I, I expect nothing but the purest scientific rigor when it comes to this show with little green men <laughs> and Stargate. They're making I up know. galaxies. It is funny that they made up a galaxy because there are, to my knowledge, several hundred thousand to pick yes. from. Yes. And I'm pretty sure no one in any of them would give a hoot if we mentioned them. It was late. They were writing the script. They were like, oh, man, we need a galaxy. Do we go find a real one? No, let's just call it this. It's fine. Yes. Yeah, nobody will know. Ida. Turn it like, in. There's an yeah. Ida. Sure, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there is an episode in a later season where it's never said where SG-1 is stranded, but common theory is that it is, again, in the Ida galaxy. We do learn in that episode that SG-1 is stranded 4 million light years away. Um, and there is a cluster of dwarf galaxies that are 4 million light years away called the NGC-3109 subgroup. And the galaxies inside this subgroup are Sextons B, NGC 3109, Sectins A, and and Antlia Dwarf Galaxy. So I, I love those all sound like lovely names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know, I'm not look, astronomers and whatnot, y'all are doing big good work. Like just open a dictionary and just start picking <laughs> words, you know? <laughs> it's like I sound like I'm trying to order a car part anytime I'm trying to like remember what a galaxy is called. I'm like NGC 768. Wait, isn't that the motor that makes my windows go up and down? <laughs> yeah. Although, um, I mean, when they keep naming storms and hurricanes after, like, you know, Hurricane Horatio, would you <laughs> do you want them to start naming planets and, and you know, celestial bodies like that? No. You don't You don't want to go to the galaxy of Frank? Horatio is in retrograde right now. <laughs> I will say there's a thing that is called the Horsehead Nebula. So clearly someone, I don't know how big the astronomy community is, someone there though is like they know. They're like, "Oh yeah, it looks like a horsehead." Tight. Yeah. Guess what we're calling it? I mean, a few million years <laughs> whenever all that galactic dust shifts, they're going to be like, "Why was it called a Horsehead Nebula?" Yeah. Like, so uh isn't there one like the Crab Nebula too? It's yeah. Like crab. Yeah. Uh, so, so we know that yeah. the people that name nebulas are a they, lot they better at naming stuff. <laughs> like they're like they know horses and they know crabs and like <laughs> and stars. That's that's what yep. they know. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So that that that's all I got because Ida's not real. So eh, maybe they named it after someone's mom. Who knows? No, maybe. What is Co- what is Robert Cooper's mother's name? No, I won't Google that. We don't care that much. <laughs> I mean, it could be very well could be. I didn't think to Google that, but it is very possible. Um, so anyway, so one of the Asgard that Jack is speaking with is apparently quite impressed that Jack's subconscious was able to process the information enough to be able to get there where he could get help that, you know, even though the ancients aren't there anymore, his whatever was in his brain recognized that whoever was there would be able to help. And Jack asks how they know so much about human brains. And apparently they've been studying us for a long time. So the little mm. gray aliens are real. Um, the grays. The probes are real. Yes. <laughs> um, and so Jack asks what they learn. And apparently they've learned that humans have great potential. And they then explain the alliance of the four great races that was sort of hinted at at Heliopolis. And it includes the Asgard, the Nox, who we've met. The Furlings, don't know them, and the Ancients, who were the builders of the Stargate. And as great as humans are, we are not yet ready to join that great alliance. And Jack may agree with that. And he's like, you you got to know, we're, we're out there. We're doing stuff. We're meeting people and we're doing things. We might not really be ready for it, but we're doing it because we are a very curious race. I love that line. Yes. Uh, There was lots of ad-libbing by Rick in that little speech. Like, not a lot. Like, he just kind of shifted some things around and reworded things a little bit, even though he apparently helped Robert Cooper write that little speech. He decided apparently on the day to kind of change things up a little bit. He wasn't feeling it. Yeah, and I I do think he he sort of ad-libbed it for the better, so... And uh, the two Asgard then sort of exchange a glance and one of them holds out his hand for Jack to shake and says, you have already taken the first steps towards becoming the fifth race. So roll credits. Very exciting. Unfortunately, not yet. (laughs) That would have been cool, but not yet. Um, So what they didn't say say the other half of the line is like, come back to us in 5,000 years. (laughs) When you're that would have been a board. that would have been a great place to like end the episode although i understand like because you know, yeah. week week, you know they yeah. sort of couldn't rely that like wait why is he coming through the gate where where, where was he what yeah yeah they, they, they unfortunately there, there are some things that still need to get wrapped up back on earth so yeah so back at the sgc they're basically still locked out of the whole system and sam's like we can do like a full shutdown to maybe try and get control back and ham's like can you can you close the iris at least and they can't even do that so ham is just like do whatever it is you need to do so we can get control back and then the gate works to life and there's an incoming traveler and it's jack yay yay Uh, i like how they conveniently did that so that he could actually come back without hitting the iris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, they could there, stop him. Yeah. There is a bit in the in the script that got cut where they do go and try to manually close the iris because apparently there is a manual control in the gate room for the iris. Which makes um, sense. Yeah. And there is also a brief exchange between Daniel and Tilk where Daniel's like, oh, that's not good. And Tilk's like, if there was a ghoul attack right now, we would be in serious trouble, which is like, yeah, no shit, Tilk. Um, so that, I mean, the little stuff that got cut there, yeah, totally on this and just kind of extended the scene too much and didn't really add anything to it. 
So, but anyway, so Jack is back, the gate closes, the system's back online, and Hammond's like, good work, Sam. Sam didn't do anything, but okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why Why are you telling Sam, good job, she didn't do anything? Um, so, but Daniel and Tilk head down to the gate room to meet Jack, and he no longer has all of that knowledge in his head and doesn't remember anything that was in there, but you know that meaning of life stuff? We're going to be all right. The end. The end. Yes. And again, that was not the scripted line, but what Rick did on the day was much better. So, yeah. Feeling something else that day. Yep. So, all right. Do we do we got any memos for this week? Uh, (laughs) Don't stick your head in ancient artifacts. (laughs) Again. Or, Or do you know? Like that's it. Also, could be fun. You know. I know I personally go around anytime I see something that looks like I could fit my head through it. I just right in there. <laughs> and then you have to call the paramedics to come cut you out because you got your head stuck again. And Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm close personal friends with them by this point. <laughs> They're nice people. What um, an interesting yeah. life you do lead. Yes, yes, yes. I, I feel like that whole um, – because – and I, I, t- I talk a lot about, like, like narrative, you know, points and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That whole thing with uh, – SG one minus Daniel and Jack going to the desert planet. That feels like it, that came in awfully late in the episode, you know? So that feels like it was sort of supposed to be like a different episode. And they were like, we don't have anywhere to put this. We Mm. need something to sort of get us to this other point. Like, like there was a, you know, there was a writer in there pitching it real hard. It's like, no, it'll be great because it's like a, it's like a bottle episode, and you know, they'll have to deal with the suns and everything. And yeah, it, like, like that, that's that's what I like to think at least. It's like someone was like pitching it really hard, and they were like, okay, well, we can put it in here, and we can give it like a quick minute. And they're like, okay, I'll take maybe. That. Would Would you like to know the origins of this specific episode? Because like in in the script book, it does actually sort of talk about um like what prompted the writing of this episode. Well, heck yeah. Um, so apparently the major impetus for Robert Cooper to write this episode is that he wanted to get a better handle on the character of Jack O'Neill because the previous episodes he'd written hadn't been very Jack heavy episodes. And then mm-hmm. it's very interesting that he writes an episode for Jack in which Jack does not behave as Jack. <laughs> but... Um, and you know, they had no idea that, you know, the ancients and the fifth race and all of this stuff was going to become the huge part of Stargate canon that it does become. Um, so, but yeah, but the major impetus was just trying to get a better handle on Jack O'Neill as a character, because apparently like the first few seasons was, that was what everybody was trying to do, especially because you have Richard Dean Anderson who brings his own thing and trying right. to like, you know, find the voice for that character when you have somebody like Richard Dean Anderson portraying them. So that was, um, yeah, that was the impetus for the episode. Um, he did have one issue with how the final product came out and that's the very end, the, the Asgard planet. Um, his issue was with the sort of production design of it because it was supposed to be more of a very grand hall and the design came out looking more like a hallway, <laughs> which he felt yeah. didn't quite convey the sort of grandness of like what he really wanted with like hundreds of Asgard around and everything. Um, so that was his only issue with the final product. That, if everything, that's it. I mean, yeah. yeah. So 
So there we go. That's oh, fifth race. Uh, yeah, I think the the title explains itself this week. Um, it's not about a 5K. No, it's not about. But <laughs> 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 uh, How no. long have you been sitting on that one? Like just came to me. Just oh wow. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was I was thinking about like this entire episode. I'm just like, I feel so sorry for Hammond, you know, because he's just like, like, I, I don't know anything about him beforehand or anything like this. And I'm just thinking, like, what did this guy do to be like, oh, yeah, guess what? You're going to be uh, involved in a super secret extraterrestrial uh, military operation. It's very JSAC and uh, or uh, JSOC and it's going to be uh under a mountain and it's going to be awesome. And then like, I find out in, you know, spoiler alert, a couple of episodes, he sort of knew this was coming for the last 30 years or so. And I'm like, that's why he's so chill about everything. Okay, cool. But also it was just supposed to be guarding a metal ring that just sat there covered in a sheet when he, you know, when he first got his on there, like all of this was not Uh, supposed to happen at all. So he's kind of dealing with it as we're dealing with it with, I guess this is what's happening now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, good episode. This, this is, is, this was a really great episode. I was, uh, um, the whole idea of like, Oh, ancient aliens and, and all that. And I mean, I think it's funny that the ancients were called the ancients, even when they were modern. I that too. <laughs> why, why would you call yourself an ancient? Right, yeah, and they're never just like, oh, well, it was this other word, and it just meant wise, and we sort of just, like, gussied it up to ancient. Like, the, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't expect the Asgardians to say anything like that, but uh, um, do you know what's so funny is the Asgardians, they actually reminded me so much of the design of the uh, aliens from Independence Day, uh, which um, Adam Baldwin one of the balls. Yeah. The one yeah. who's in this was yeah. also in that. Um, and uh, it's sort of like the, the Asgardians were like, you know, they're gray and they've got like the elongated mm-hmm. heads, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be like, oh, those are like the Roswell aliens. So it's it's so funny watching this episode 22, 23 years later after they did it, because I I have the Internet. I'm inundated with pop culture and science fiction. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm I'm a veteran of the Mass Effect series and I can recite, as I've stated before, Star Wars canon and lore just yeah. off the top of my head. And then like to like see this and I'm just like, oh, OK, I think I know where you guys are going with it. You yeah. know, but but then they'll just come around and they're just like, no, nah, what if Teal dressed like a hippie in one episode? That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> right. And yeah. then yeah. it's it's all just and then the said didn't expect them to actually show like the grays i thought that maybe get brought up as like a joke but they're like oh no they're here yeah. and yeah and they're as guardians and it's like yeah. oh well right on uh, yeah 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 <laughs> not chris hemsworth but i'll take it <laughs> very different iteration of thor than many yes. people might be used to <laughs> uh, oh right. man if i win the lottery i'm just paying somebody to just take the Thor from the Asgards in this and just put him in the MCU. <laughs> I want to see him kissing oh Jane God. Foster, wielding Yolnir, fighting Iron Man and Captain America in the woods. That's what I'm here for. 
Oh, that would that be would, amazing. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. So oh. I would watch that movie. Yeah. Watch that out. So good. <laughs> watch out for it, folks. I would watch that movie twice. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Rachel, final thoughts. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was good. You know what I did notice um, in the scene where Jack, you know, they open the wormhole for him to go through to see the Asgards and they don't know who it is. I thought it was funny how they brought in like the military high alert scene as if they were expecting something to come through it. Yeah, that was. Did you notice that, that too? Yeah, Weird. I'm pretty sure I saw that was like stock footage from like another episode. That I wonder if they had to like just shove something in there because whatever transition was there, like didn't work because that's actually not in the script. The like armed guards running through the hall is not in the script. So I wonder if they just needed like a transition and that was the best that they could come up with from a previous episode. I don't know. I but, thought it was funny. Like, yeah. It's come through there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little weird, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that we're like, it, uh, you guys have, have done this on the show before where it's like, well, I'm sure we could come up with the reason, but at what point are we just writing fan fiction? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, well, they didn't know what Jack did to the gate, so it could have been back and forth travel. We don't know, so they got to have the military. It's like, it's just, they, they just someone wasn't paying it. attention in editing. That's what it is. Yeah. Let's go they need the someone to Somebody yeah. forgot to fill to film a, a fill scene, a 15 seconds, so they had to pull something, and they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, this is a good episode. This is one of the ones that like consistently makes like top 10 all-time Stargate episodes and stuff. And I'm I yes definitely agree with that from yeah all iterations of Stargate, you know SG1 Atlantis universe. This is very much top of the line for yeah. the, the the franchise so agreed and we made it we made it you guys yay <laughs> we made it this episode yes go team <laughs> yay um all right eric where can our listeners find you on the internet if they want to check out your podcast and whatever you have to say about stuff uh well uh you guys are more than welcome to uh, look up the long rewatch job uh on google right now we are on uh soundcloud um and we are going to i'm going to be posting us on podbean and google podcasts and everything like that uh we took some time off because my co-host uh had just a string of horrible things including covid and leg infections and whatnot so we are back we back baby and so we are going to be posting more episodes uh and that's that's pretty much the the best best thing um A lot of my time on social media spent posting dumb stuff and you don't want (laughs) to see or hear any of that. So uh, the long rewatch job, uh, give us a listen, Uh, personally send me a message if you can find me and uh, tell me how much you liked it. Uh. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for A Matter of Time. Bye.